Greetings, everyone. You're listening to KYRS, Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And you're listening to Art Hour, and I'm one of your hosts, Mike Malsom. And I'm your other host, Eric Woodard. And um, our guest today is a uh, multi-talented uh, instrumentalist, uh, songwriter, composer, Max Harnischfeger. Um, and I've been trying to get Max uh, on our interview several, well, I'll say more than once, uh, as we have connected at various shows uh, in the past. And uh, Eric, the reason why I've been really interested in Max, I think he'd be an in- interesting interview because when I've listened to his music a lot. His music more than um, I think any local musician anyway certainly reminds me of some of the painters, you know, like uh, he's an artist that is multi-layered and his composition of his music reminds me of what a painter would do as they create a painting. So I just thought it would be interesting to talk to him about his process and and also all of his projects. He's in multi, uh, you know, several bands and everything. So anyway, welcome, Max. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> That was quite an introduction, Max. Do you yeah. feel like that's a lot to live up to at this point? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> it's a pretty nice in, way to get introduced. I don't know how interesting I'll be in, in the flesh, but we can, you know, oh, see where great. the conversation yeah. takes us. So, Mike, what was your what was your gateway drug to Max Harnischfeger? Uh, I think the first time I heard Max was um, actually the very first time was on the, I believe, the top of that Saranac, the Saranac building, you know, Mm -hmm. up there on the top there. And I was listening, I think Cathedral Pearls played up there. So that's the very first time I heard Max. And then uh, when I started going to the Bartlett, uh, that's when I really kind of got introduced to Max Mm -hmm. and actually could hear... Uh, his music and his, you know, his his vocals uh, in a sound room that really sounded mm-hmm. really, uh, uh, you know, accentuated his uh, both his instrumental and vocal talents. So, Max, what was Cathedral Pearls your first band? Um, no, not actually. I, I was in a band when I was fifteen uh, with an older guy called The Noted, and we would do like coffee shop kind of folk stuff. I played bass with him. Um, at Rock Coffee was one of the places we'd play a lot when that was uh, open right next to the Knitting Factory. And then I met a guy uh, when I was 17 who lived in Kettle Falls and we were in a band together called Ruby Parasols and that's where I first started like writing music. Um, I did a EP all about bugs. All the songs were bug themed. Uh, so I did that for a couple years and then actually... Um, Caleb worked with my wife, Carrie, at uh, Rockwood Bakery when he first moved to Spokane. And that's how I got introduced to Caleb and Carly wow. Ingersoll. And they were looking for a bass player. And that's how I got connected with them. So Cathedral Pearls is probably the first real serious band that I was in, but um, not the first. Now I want to talk about Cathedral Pearls, but I also want to go back to this Bug EP. Because uh, is this available on streaming anywhere? Um, I don't know if it's on Spotify, but you can find it on Bandcamp. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's it's funny to listen to um, now because I feel like I've just grown a lot as a as a vocalist and as an artist. But it was really like 
the first time I stretched my wings creatively and it was pretty ambitious and I had plans to just write songs about bugs exclusively for a long time um, but we just stopped with this one EP <laughs> so yeah you can you can find it um, Ruby Parasols is the name of the band and um, yeah now, why did you pick bugs? Were you like an amateur entomologist or something, or what was that all about? <laughs> I don't know. I I just thought um, I don't know what it was. I I've, I'm really interested in science. Like, always have loved reading about sciences and learning about them. And I just found a lot of um, symbolic in, uh, imagery in different bugs that I was reading about. I don't know. There was just something about it that I just latched onto. And I think that was helpful for me to kind of give myself a direction. I, cause I have so many, uh, different interests that giving myself kind of something to latch onto really helps me kind of focus my energies. Uh, otherwise I'm just kind of aimlessly wandering creatively. <laughs> yeah. And as you were saying that too, did it, do you feel like it gave you some freedom because you didn't have to be inward? You didn't have to talk about your feelings and it didn't have to be personal. And if somebody didn't like that, cause sometimes I think when you write songs, it's like if somebody doesn't latch onto your songs, it feels personal. But if yeah. somebody doesn't like your song about a cricket, it probably didn't feel as personal. Is, was there some element of that? Maybe, but it, but for some, I mean, if you go and listen to it, it's it's still a pretty personal thing. It was it was really the the bug imagery that I was oh, latching okay. onto and trying to, I mean, yeah, just trying to take those images and and give them kind of human skin, I guess. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. It, it was it definitely it. Like I said, it just gave me a, a direction to go, and it kind of, I think a lot of the times when I'm writing songs, it almost feels like a puzzle or something that I'm trying to put together, and so to kind of give myself a, a challenge and something contextually to write about, I think just helps me kind of do more interesting things. Max, have you always had an interest in uh, creativity um, as a kid? I mean, did you always know that you had to create and and it just happened to be music that you latched onto or did uh, was there some other circumstance that got you started in your uh, music creativity um, I think I'd always describe my, I'm I would describe myself as always kind of being creative my mom painted um, oil paintings watercolors when I was a kid so I kind of latched on to to that side of things um, I wanted to be a cartoonist when I was in like first and second grade and uh then in fourth grade i started playing uh upright bass in the orchestra and definitely found that i just had a natural kind of ability to get the music and i felt like a lot of the other kids that were in the orchestra with me were struggling for reasons that i didn't understand i just felt like i always just got music um but i didn't really take that into my identity I don't think until I was like a teenager I didn't I didn't think I wanted to be a musician or even think I wanted to write songs too much um when I was younger I just I, I fell in love with music when I was older probably around 15 and at that point it kind of just took over all so the what other was the catalyst at 15 that made you change directions well that band that I was in um the noted uh he was an older guy that I met 
through church and um it was just one of just a really good close friendship with this guy that he kind of took me under his wing and you know he was 10 years older than me but wanted me to be in a band with him and I'd never really done anything like that so I think just that like camaraderie and having that place to to kind of do that um and feeling like I had a peer that I respected that kind of I don't know uh saw something in me that was more than I could see in myself was probably what you know not intentionally it was just it was just how it happened I just really fell in love with music in that time you know you started out as a bass player and now uh, when did you like pick up um, the keyboards which you're very good at as well um, in high school there was a guy in my orchestra who also he, he actually was more predominantly like an electric bass player and he was really into like some really odd stuff like Primus and um, uh, other Les Claypool stuff, Victor Wooten, like lots of really bass centric and really technically proficient bass players. So um, he kind of taught me about music theory and there was a, you know, piano in the choir room that he would, he would kind of be like, okay, play this on the piano. And then he, we'd jam. Um, that's where I started kind of learning piano. I bought a synthesizer when I was, 16 and kind of just always had it with me while I was watching TV on the couch or whatever, just had my headphones plugged in and got kind of enamored with the, the whole like sonic exploration that could happen with synths. Um, and that's where I, I think I started like learning keyboards. Um, I didn't feel like I really played keys until I was a little older. Um, and, and, when I joined Super Sparkle, when we started that band, um, that's when I, I started really like kind of playing keys. Um, even though I kind of knew how to do a little bit, um, I wouldn't have called myself a piano player by any means and kind of still don't. I, I'm a practical piano player, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't call myself uh, a proficient piano player by any means. But yeah, I think, I think it started with synthesizers more than piano necessarily. Mm-hmm. So let's go and back you, to oh you go Mike you go go ahead go ahead yeah well I was just gonna start talking about Cathedral Pearls so you you did uh, was it Ruby Parasol that's that? right Ruby Parasols yeah. and then uh, so how did Cathedral Pearls get started well uh, like I said Caleb Ingersoll and my wife Carrie uh, worked together at Rockwood Bakery and Caleb said that Carly and he were starting a band and they needed a bass player so. Um, I just went into a practice with them and that's how it kind of started. We hit it off and we, it was really great. Carrie eventually ended up joining us on keys and it was just a really great experience to, to be a part of a band that just was so relational. We would get together, um, once a week for dinner, um, when we were like newlyweds and then we'd have band practice after that. So um, honestly, it was really just happenstance that I got connected with them. I was kind of in the right place at the right time um, where I just uh, happened to, they needed a bass player and I just happened to be a bass player. <laughs> and and so, how long were you in that band? Well, we're still, we're still doing stuff as much as we can. Uh, we're not playing a lot of live shows, but we have a lot of unreleased material that we are working our way through. And um, that band started in 2000 
10, I believe. So almost 10 years we've been doing that. Well, I guess it has been 10 years now. Um, so yeah, we're, we're working on more stuff still and trying to get together as much as we can. Our lives have just gotten so much more complex from when we started more bands, more projects, you know, Caleb and Carly opened businesses. We have kids, so it, it gets harder and harder, uh, to do stuff. And, but we try, there's something about that band in particular that just feels really near and dear to me. Uh, it just feels like a, I don't know, something that can just kind of exist without me having to really strive for anything. Um, so it's just kind of like you can be apart from it for a long time and just pick right up where you left off. Yeah, totally. And we also, Carly and I use it as, um, kind of just a, a challenge to exercise songwriting. A couple times we've taken like the month of February and tried to, uh, write and record as much as we can. Um, so we've done like, I think three times now we've done like 10 songs in, in a month and demoed them out. And, um, that first time we did that, we released it as a, as an album called off my chain. Um, and then the second time we did it, uh, a single, well, the two singles most recently that are out, um, for cathedral pearls, Sarah and America's child came out of that songwriting stint we still have quite a bit of material from that second time we did it um that we would love to record and then the third time we did it we again we just have more and more stuff so um (laughs) so that's an interesting um combination uh you and carly both kind of working on your songwriting what what is kind of your process as you when you get together to write specifically for cathedral pearls Well, a lot of times it's voice memos just kind of sent back and forth. Um, For the most part, Cathedral Pearls, like the songs that Carly sings, she pretty much writes entirely by herself. And then the songs I sing on, I'll write. And we each contribute different ideas and, um, you know, record our parts to kind of bring them to life. But um, it's pretty, pretty, uh, what's the word? casual and how we it's not really intentional like we don't get together to write our songs um we've tried that in the past and it's worked to an extent but there's something about just doing it ourselves i think that maintains a certain identity and then for some reason we're just in really similar places it seems like a lot of times the things we end up writing about just have a natural kind of um cohesion to them and uh, so every once in a while I'll, I'll send over, you know, some, like a verse and a chorus or something and Carly will write a bridge for it. So, um, that's kind of how it works. We, we each contribute what we can. There's kind of this, um, understood, uh, ground that we've given each other to, to make things better if we want to, and to try to leave things alone when we think it's good enough. Yeah. So, um, how soon, how long is, did you, or how long ago did you start your project, uh, Water Monster? And um, maybe what the reasons were that took you in that direction? Well, the, I mean, the main reason was the Bartlett was opening and Cathedral Pearls was kind of needing to take a hiatus so that Caleb and Carly could work on that. And they, we went out to dinner one night and they said, we think you should start a solo project because we're going to be pretty busy for the next six months or so. (laughs) And 
I was like, oh yeah, okay, I'll, I, I think I could probably do that or whatever. And then they're like, well, we booked a show with your new solo project, which I did not have any material <laughs> for. And uh, I was like, okay, well, I guess I have to do it now. And then they, they told me that they booked the show with one of my favorite artists at the time, uh, still is one of my favorite artists, Helado Negro. Uh, for a New Year's show, and it was going to be like one of the opening shows of the Bartlett. And so at that point, I really couldn't say no because I knew <laughs> if I if I didn't take the opportunity to open for this guy, that I would be kicking myself. So that's really where it started. I was kind of pushed into it, and uh, yeah. And yeah, do you find was, that? Oh, you go, Mike. I was going to say that was actually been kind of in in a couple ways fortuitous to run into uh, Caleb and Carly first of all you know the cathedral pearls thing but but also kind of this gentle push uh, into your solo project also kind of kind of stemmed from that connection absolutely yeah I mean my them having them as friends has been um, just the most amazing thing probably one of the most influential things in my life honestly as you can hear just from me talking about what the last 10 years of my life has looked like it's really been so wrapped up in music and it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for um people like Caleb and Carly who really just I mean in general they just believe in in this community of uh, in the city in the scene that's uh here in Spokane and they don't just stop at saying that they believe in you, you know, they really challenge you and inspire you to, to do something with the gifts you have. So definitely fortuitous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Max, do you find that when, uh, when you had that solo project that your songs ended up being a lot different because you were writing them for, I mean, just, you were going to play them differently. Did, did yeah. your songwriting change a lot, a lot for, that? for that? Yeah, definitely. It was a lot of, what water monster was and is about is was sonics uh, and and specifically like synthesizers and sampling and um cathedral pearls is a guitar based band it's like a rock band really um and so yeah the the process to write songs is different because a lot of times i'm not sitting down with a guitar to write i'm really kind of starting with the the foundation is the instrumental and from there i'm Sorry, I think I, I think you lost me for a second. Yep. You got me? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, like I was saying, the, the foundation for Water Monster stuff is really the instrumental. So um, that has influenced my writing where instead of sitting down with a guitar and writing my kind of lyrics out based on the chords that I'm picking out, it really has to do more with the, the feel of the music that I've created and um, those kind of guide me and it's it's a little more of a discovery process as opposed to a like a task that I can sit down and like that when I was describing songwriting like being a puzzle that I have to solve um, Water Monster when I'm writing for that it feels a lot less like that it feels a lot more like a, a process of discovery you know almost a spiritual experience sometimes you know which which version of songwriting do you like better Oh, I think certain days, um, it just depends, you know, how well things go. Sometimes it can be frustrating <laughs> to, to not get that kind of inspiration and to feel a little bit, 
I don't know, just just not not as structured or something. But they really produce two t- totally different types of music too. Mm-hmm. So I it's hard. It would be hard to choose one over the other. I feel like they're both pretty necessary for me as far as. Um, just a way to process my thoughts and emotions and to kind of emote, you know. So is there a connection between, because your uh, album, Water Monster album, uh, Tensis, mm-hmm. which is very, kind of got me into this, the intro, which is, is very layered sonically. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like you, and I'm not sure how you start, that could be a question in and of itself. But in just as you said, you kind of fit the lyrics into the sonic landscape and kind of see how that maybe eventually turns out. Is that part of the reason? Is that a tension that we're kind of feeling between the lyricist versus the, the, the synth person that's painting all of these sounds and trying to make them both mesh into a listenable composition? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's part of the the whole title tensus. I mean, it's the it's the Latin word for tension. And um, I think the if I could sum up the album and kind of the the themes of it, it really comes down to this thing that I'm constantly trying to remind myself of and learn from. And that's to embrace um, internal tensions, um, whatever those may be. And for me, the that that kind of um, dichotomy between the lyricist and the sound designer um, is something that I honestly for a while kind of struggled with and I'm more now trying to learn to embrace it but um, I still kind of feel like a black sheep in a way because a lot of a lot of folk artists that you'll hear you know really simple sonically they're they're I mean, really, the the sword that they carry is their words, and the lyrics are really important. Um, and not to say that sonics aren't important for for certain songwriters, but um, I kind of felt like I wasn't really songwritery enough to be a songwriter, but I wasn't really electronic enough to be like an electronic musician. So, definitely finding some sort of balance in between the two, and um, I feel like I've. I've taken those two parts of me and made them work somehow with that album, you know, by embracing those tensions instead of trying to push it one way or the other. I feel like I've kind of landed in in the middle somewhere. Riches and money I'll chase, I'll chase. Riches and money I'll chase. If it doesn't sparkle or glitter, I'll spit it out. Riches and money I'll chase, I'll chase. Riches and money I'll Your heavy wrist, storing up heaviness, transforming. 
long-term medication, long-term termination, You're listening to KYRS, Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. Art Hour receives support from South Perry Pizza, featuring rotating local artists and serving hand-tossed artisan pizza, beer, and wine at 1011 South Perry Street and online at southperrypizzaspokane.com. Hang out with me, Jukebox Jenny, on Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. to hear America's very own music, the blues. Let me help you shake the trouble out with a mix of funk, R&B, and blues from Delta to Chicago. You'll hear... Don't forget to shake your rump, too. It's a cocktail that will soothe the soul. Working Woman's Blues, Sunday nights, 6 to 8 p.m., right here on KYRS. Invited to cruise Americana Avenue with me, Jim Tate, in your car or at the office, each Tuesday from 2 to 4 p.m. You'll hear the best and progressive American roots music in a multitude of styles. It's Americana Avenue on your radio station, KYRS.
Art Hour relies on support from listeners like you. Just $3 a month helps keep KYRS going strong, and you can help by texting Give KYRS to 44321. That's all one word Give KYRS to 44321. So I'm assuming you record yourself, Max. Yeah. Do you re- and and um, do you enjoy that process as much as the songwriting? Because you mentioned, I mean, in Water Monster, it sounds like there's probably a lot more studio stuff going on where where you're doing a lot more work yeah. on the computer. Um, I mean, to what extent is that? How do you compare that to the act of songwriting? I guess. As far as how much you enjoy it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy a lot just demoing things out. I love being on the computer, trying out new things, experimenting with things. And really, the tensus came from years and years of me, like, working through these songs, scrapping them, reworking them, trying to get them all to kind of exist in a in a world together. Um, so I, I think I definitely enjoy that studio piece a lot more necess- like than writing but you can't have one without the other so it's right. um, it it goes back and forth and there's nothing like the feeling of, of finishing a song too like just being able to say like this is a complete idea not even necessarily having to have it produced or um, you know released or anything like that there is a satisfaction that comes from that but I think um, I enjoy making music in a studio environment experimenting that way and yeah this whole like lockdown situation has been kind of hard in that respect because i feel like my work has taken over my home space and my studio space and so finally we're getting back to kind of normal where i have this kind of sanctum in uh the basement (laughs) that i can go to and it's like a really kind of a sacred place for me which i think is important for for my process you know have, through all that experimenting, have you uh, come up with kind of a, a technique that you can rely on that gets you started with a composition? You know, like, uh, are you, do you think of a, a rhythm or a particular sound and lay that layer down first and then add something else to it? Um, I'm sure, like you said, you spent years kind of coming to that, but do you have now sort of a template that you kind of rely on? Um. I think I I think over the years you just pick up little tricks here and there and you pick up things and um, for me the challenge is is not falling into too much of a rhythm or too much of a formula with it um, I have to kind of continue to surprise myself uh, so I'll try to trick myself in in different ways to to try to inspire new ideas you know so sometimes I might start with um, like a drum beat and other times I might start with a sample of something or um, start with a melody or a chord progression sometimes I'll have like a little bit of lyrics that I can work with or manipulating my voice so there's all sorts of ways that I can start Um, but you just kind of got to follow the the trail where it takes you and I've found um, it's really important for me just to kind of keep everything that I've that I make in a in a certain time period so that I can kind of recycle things and you know maybe I'll I'll not use a certain idea for a song but I'll take like a piece of it that I think is is really important and I'll pull that out and 
start from from scratch but have that one little piece that i can hang on to so um it's all kind of like i said a process of discovery um with songwriting in general um there are little tricks and formulas that i try to start with and really it comes down to like you just kind of have to you have to start somewhere so you just got to get a really crappy first draft out there and really just try to finish the idea as quick as you can and then i i find that i'm a lot more productive if i can do that and then kind of refine my ideas as as time goes on now what i i'm curious if you write songs in a similar way to the way i at least try to come up with songs. whenever i sit down to try to write nothing comes mm-hmm. it just seems like it, it it occurs to me in a dream or while I'm doing something else or while I'm driving, do you find that you're able to kind of sit down and do the work or do you find that a lot of your songs come from inspiration? Um, yes. (laughs) 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 That's the, yeah, I, I definitely, when I'm driving or, you know, walking somewhere in motion, like feel like inspiration does come. Um, but, it's also kind of a practice to to know when that inspiration is there and to do something with it because I can have lots of ideas and then they can just kind of go but um, I'll have to record them on a voice memo or write them down um, but yeah I, I feel like sitting down and, and doing the work is something that ultimately is something that you just I just have to accept and do and it doesn't hinder me to, to sit down and do that work it really... Um, it's just that I've carved out a little time and a space to do it. And usually I find that when I do that, something comes out of it. You know, it's really just giving myself the time to do that. That's the tricky part. So we're at this stage now. Are you continuing to work on your Water Monster project? Um, I know that you, the Super Sparkle, was going to record this spring uh, at Whitworth, but maybe that has been put on the back burner at least for a while. But um, where are you at musically now with some of your projects? Um, Super Sparkle is pretty much done with an EP. We need to mix it and master it still, but we tracked pretty much all of it before COVID-19 hit. And um, we're just trying to wait on the right time to do that. Uh, Caleb Ingersoll's mixing it and so I'm getting tracks to him, but uh, I think other than strings on a couple songs, that EP is ready to ready to get mixed. Um, Water Monster still still trying to figure out what to do next. I released a single um, earlier this year called "Still Trying," and that felt really good to to do. And I have a few other songs that I could potentially work on. Um, but yeah, just trying to figure out a direction for that, um, especially since I don't see myself playing shows anytime soon. Um, maybe, maybe with my studio setup again, I can I can start working on stuff. But would love to to work on more. Um, I'm really just trying to write as much as I can and um, see what comes of it. You know, I I I like the idea. One of the reasons that I kind of gravitated towards the name Water Monster was because I felt like it was fluid in its uh, identity in a sense like I, it could be a you know an electronic project just as much as it could be a folk project with some interesting sonics going on so we'll see what happens next I might I might try to go in another direction 
Um, or maybe Water Monster will, you know, descend into the depths and <laughs> I'll figure something else out. So I'm not really sure at this point. So, uh, Max, correct me if I'm wrong, but so it seemed like Super Sparkle was really having a moment recently where you took out the billboard downtown and you had that big show at the Cracker Building. Uh, and I was at that show and there's just a ton of people there, a ton of energy. Um, and and I, I, I've been wondering this question uh, th- about the answer to this question for a while. It seemed like y- the band was looking to maybe take it to another level. Um, it, I mean, is that is that the case? Were you looking to kind of make this uh, a pretty big deal and get the heck out of Spokane a little bit, or, or what? What was the impetus behind that? Um, I think we're always just. I mean, Carly is kind of the manager of the band. She's just a great um, business person. She she has a lot of drive and ambition, a lot of connections, and a lot of great ideas. So I think our thing with Super Sparkle was from the first show we played we just realized it was connecting with people on a level that a lot of our music you know the other members in the band had never really done before and um so to try to keep that momentum going i think every time we think about what what are we going to do next for our next show oh let's get some dancers now we have dancers in our band let's you know hire a percussionist now we have you know brian bogue from the spokane symphony playing with us and every you know that billboard everything was just like kind of one-upping what we did last time um and it was working and so we played some festivals and some other stuff um and we're still i think eager to to continue to try new things and do things that are out of the box and ambitious and bigger and better um but obviously this this whole thing that's been going on has really slowed things down and we were trying to kind of I mean the original plan was to release the EP last month in May and um, we were kind of easing off playing shows because we wanted to create some you know uh, reason for people to come back out for an EP release show so and and we played a bunch of I mean we did a residency at Lucky You where we played every weekend um, at Lucky You played a lot of like festivals and um, stuff like that over the summer. So I feel like we, we did kind of keep up the momentum, but it's kind of, kind of fallen back again. Um, but maybe when all this stuff starts getting back to normal a little bit and we're able to play some shows, we can have a little more, um, we can kind of build that momentum up again, but I wouldn't say we were, we were looking to get out of Spokane. We were really just trying to ride the wave of, you know, connection that we were making with people Sure. And maybe I, when I said that, I didn't really mean to leave Spokane. But what I meant was, I mean, seeing the, just the musicianship and the energy and the way people reacted to you. I mean, it seemed like you you could be a band that could spend a lot of time on the road that could um, that could could be really popular, not just regionally, but nationally or internationally. But I mean, you talked about, you know, you have a job, Carly and Caleb have a business, you have kids, right? Mm -hmm. So, so, I mean, is that, is that a weird sort of attention to think we would really like to get to that point? But I mean, there's, there's so much of a pull here in town. Oh yeah. There's, there's tension there for sure. Just trying to figure out how much of yourself you want to give to something like that. Um, 
but I think we were seeing at least so far we were seeing a, a little bit of monetary success and being able to do it was a little more worth it than other bands in the past have been um just on a just on a success in money kind of level what you mean you were actually getting paid yeah we were getting paid and people were people were coming to our shows and it was you know um we were we were being able to ask more money uh for playing out of town and stuff like that um but it's always hard you never know like when we released our our last couple singles, like we we tried to send them out to different blogs and stuff like that, and people didn't connect with it for one reason or another. So there's something definitely in the live show that I think um, we haven't quite been able to capture 100% in our recorded music. Um, and really the way that the music industry seems to work right now is um, you really have to have that like recorded connection in order to justify going out and touring and making a live connection unless you want to spend years and years and years constantly touring in order to build that connection so um what we're really trying to do with the ep is um try to capture a little bit of that energy but also maybe approach the songs um in a way that caters more to that like person randomly listening on Spotify or something like that um, try to try to find a way to to not necessarily spaz out so much in the recordings you know because live we kind of we kind of spaz out and um, I think it there's a restraint that you kind of need to have in order to connect with people in a recorded medium sometimes so that's what we're trying to do with the EP. We're trying to produce it a little more, make it a little cleaner, um, and give it a little more of a, a vibe, um, so that when people hear it who are not initiated to our live show, they can still enjoy it and want to see us live. And then when when they see us live, hopefully we'll win them over. So, wow, that sounds like quite a full uh, load that you're carrying there, Max. You've got just your own creative need to work on your your music through water monster and that you have the super sparkle but you also have a full-time job uh and and a family um what do you do to balance yourself out um with all of those irons in the fire <laughs> it's kind of like just juggling you know spinning plates you you just gotta give I try to just take it take it a day at a time and give my energy to what I know needs my energy. And that means you have to say no to, to other things at different times. But um, really, it's just it's just trying to maintain, you know, priorities and my relationships. And then after that, like with extra time, just being intentional to not just sit around and do nothing, you know, just take the moments that I, I do have to create and use those moments to create. So, And what Is do you do for a living, Max? Uh, I work at a church. I am a graphic designer. Uh, I do video work and, and stuff like that. I've been working for about... So you're, crea so you're creative in your work and then you come home and get to be creative at home, huh? Yeah, in two different mediums, which honestly I, I would love to 
be able to, you know, financially justify not having to do that. Um, but I really love the people I work with. I love the work that I do. So I'm staying there because it's pretty secure and, um, trying to embrace too, you know, like one of the, one of the struggles I think, uh, maybe that I've tried to deal with or come to peace with is the idea of when I was in my twenties, um, I think I had this aspiration to be something really great, you know, and, and when I say great, I, I mean like, um, recognized or, you know, uh, really what, what people would call like self successful in music or make it big or, you know, sign a, a deal or whatever. Um, but the tension and I, and I kind of wrote about this a little bit in, um, tensus is, is like, you could, you know, have everything monetarily and maybe success that you think you, that you think you want, but without the relationships that you have and the important people in your life, it's, it's kind of nothing. So trying to embrace that there is something even in the midst of like a quote unquote normal life, there's this kind of magic, um, that comes from that, that if, as long as you just choose to embrace that, you choose to, um, kind of give your eyes to seeing it that way. I think there's a lot of, um, just satisfaction in, in living a life that's full of good things like that, you know, and not trying to just break my back, trying to be successful and sacrifice the, the relationships with the people I love and the life that I've really just kind of been given, you know. So that's a kind of a good segue. Um, I'm thinking, Eric, if we do are able to insert one of the, the cuts off of his album, Tenses, uh, it would be lavish life and it's kind of relates to what you were just talking about. Yeah. Um, so lavish life is, well, if you, if you look at the track list on tenses, I tried to, I tried to design it in a way that it kind of has this, um, opposing, opposing ends. And if you can think of it as, I think it's a 10 track album. The first track is kind of a, an introduction, um, to the concept of, tension and embracing it and it talks about water and all the forms it takes and how you know through freezing and thawing and then evaporating and it, there's this water cycle that goes on um it kind of propels uh life throughout the earth and and but it, but they're at the, on the surface they seem to be kind of opposing one another in, in a sense you have like the liquids of the waters you have the the freezing of the in a solid and um so that was kind of like a picture that i thought summed up the the general idea that there's this tension that kind of we want to avoid and it's an uncomfortable tension but in the end if we embrace it it can propel us forward and it can move us forward so then the next track is lavish life so that would be kind of like track one in the in the pendulum and um if you get through to animalistic, that's the, the midpoint. And from there, I'm hopefully have like created songs that kind of mirror each other. So by the end of the end of the album, there's a song called normal life. That's talking about that final embrace of that tension and, and finally embracing that. Like there really is, you know, you don't have to fight and strive and you don't have to have all this stuff to, to feel successful and, um, you know, 
like your life is worth something, but it's right there in front of you. And as long as you can embrace that, then, um, you can have it, you know? Well, I think the album's just beautifully, uh, crafted and the, the mix is, is really good. And, and all the different colors and layers you put in all of that. Um, I certainly hope more people, uh, get a chance to listen to that. But Eric, we had one of the, uh, Eric and I had one of the, had a show where one of the questions uh, that we prompted artists to answer was uh, if they had a proudest moment in their artistic career. And I was curious to know if uh, in the past 10 years or since you've started in this life of uh, creativity and music, if you, if there's a moment you recall that's kind of made you feel the most proud or like maybe you arrived or like you it jettisoned you on to choose this this life you know uh to continue with it um that's a really good question i would have i mean i could i could name a bunch the first one that comes to mind for me was um being able to play the the closing night at the bartlett and um just to to be able to be involved in what the Bartlett was um, was amazing um, and not just emotionally but just just to be sitting on on stage in the on a night that felt so devastating for a lot of people um, and there was a moment uh, I think before we played a song called Sun After Sun where I just all I could feel was gratitude for whatever the the last 10 years of my life were because I really feel like I've fallen into a lot of the the great things that I've gotten to do and to be able to you know celebrate um what the Bartlett was for me and for our community um was amazing but then also like just that song that we were um that we ended up playing um is just about like no matter how how long the world keeps spinning um after every single night which is dark and which is um you know cold and all the things uh that you find with night without fail like sun after sun has come up and i just felt like to be able to write a song that so perfectly encapsulated what I was experiencing in that moment on stage to know that at the end of this like amazing thing you know for a lot of people it felt like a really a dark time um, because there was just a lot of uncertainty about what what would become of you know the the music scene and what would become of the Bartlett Um, people loved that place so much Um, to know that I had this assurance of like I know that something else is going to come you know, because that's just how nature is. That's how that's how the world works. You know, so I think for me, that's that's one of the biggest standout moments that I can think of, off the top of my head. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, Max, where do you see yourself? Um, you know, maybe four or five years down the road, you have goals set musically. I know. I'm sure, family wise, you know, raising kids and all that. There are milestones and things like that, but. Uh, where would you like to see yourself be, you know, in the future? 
I'd like to see myself continue to make music um, and I'm learning more and more to just not not put so much weight in in the public reception of what I'm creating but just trying to you know put things put myself out there creatively just for the purpose of putting myself out there so I hope to continue to do that um, you know obviously just make lots more music record lots more music I'd love to see um, uh, my kids playing music uh, at some point too I'm, I can imagine in the next five years maybe they'll be in some bands or something that would be really cool to see um, and I'd really like to uh, produce a little bit more I did I did help um, produce an EP with Brandon Kate which was a really great experience I really enjoyed um, kind of helping out with that and um, Scott Ingersoll also um, I think we I would love to work with him again and uh, uh, work on an EP with him or something so yeah yeah. And where would uh, people that would want to get to your music? Obviously, um, you have um, on Spotify, but other places that they can um, get more connected to you and your projects? Yeah. Uh, Spotify is a great place. Obviously, Instagram um, is another place where people kind of consume media. Bandcamp is probably my favorite platform as far as like supporting artists if someone really wants to support not support me because I, I don't make <laughs> I don't sell enough songs to be supported by it but uh, if if you want to <laughs> buy my music um, going to Bandcamp watermonster.bandcamp.com is probably the best place to do that because that's where I'll see you know the most um, benefit from a, from a sale I think you'd have to listen to my song like a million times before I make a dollar off of it, so <laughs> going to Bandcamp and yeah. buying it there would be much appreciated. And you were mentioning that um, Super Sparkle is kind of a live experience in a way. Um, are there some uh, good spots for people to start looking at Super Sparkle on YouTube? Oh yeah, uh, Super Sparkle's kind of hard to, to find. I think if you look up Super Sparkle the band, um, that's what our YouTube channel might be called. Uh, I know that's what our Instagram handle is called. And we do have a few videos that we've put out on YouTube. Um, and then Instagram we're, and Facebook, we're posting videos sometimes. We're doing another one of those acapella videos where everybody's in their own little frame, like the Brady mm -hmm. Bunch, and we're going to play a song mm -hmm. that way. So, um, yeah, if you want to experience Super Sparkle... Um, YouTube is probably going to be the best place, but it can be a little tricky to find. So Super Sparkle, the band, should get you there. Well, I look forward to seeing Super Sparkle, the band, in person again soon. I really, really enjoy watching you play. There's so much cool energy going on with that. Yeah, I can't wait to get back out and play again, too. <laughs> yeah. And um, do you... Um, are you with the COVID now, um, are you guys doing any um, online kind of, you know, concerts for people to to watch and, you know, do the, uh, I don't know how they pay for that, but uh, I know that Carly has done a few of those things like that. I didn't know if like maybe you and Brandon or if you had some other projects you were going to maybe do to fill up some performing time uh, during this 
I haven't had I haven't had plans to, uh, but it is a good idea. And if I have the time, I will try to <laughs> try yeah, to make that happen. Yeah. Well, what? Eric, do you, do you have anything else? I'm not sure how close we are on the time. I don't. It was funny. I had two questions written down, and he answered them both in his last response. Uh, actually, I do have one kind of weird question because I, I have two kids myself. Did you find that having kids changed the kind of songs that you wrote? Because what I found is that it really changed the way I viewed the world and it changed kind of everything that I created. And I didn't know if that was a common thing or not. Yeah, I would say I think the songs, there are some songs that would not have been written had I not have kids. Um, but I didn't feel like I fundamentally changed anything. I, I've always felt like I could write songs from different personas, different perspectives. So. Um, I still feel like I kind of do that. Um, but definitely there's, there's just subject matter that like that normal life song. I mean, I wouldn't have written that if I didn't probably have a family cause I just didn't, you know, you don't, you don't have, <laughs> there's something, there's just such a gift of having <laughs> kids that, um, it really does make you think of different things. So I don't know. Yes and no, I would say. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing you again in the flesh, and I really appreciate you talking with us, and I really appreciate listening to your music. Thanks for all the joy that you've given me as I as I listen to you over the years. Wow, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, the same, Max. Um, it was really good to get to know you better, and... Uh...